You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, grab a chair. Grab a seat. I would like to just point out that I am no longer important, so therefore I don't get an introduction anymore. I just get up here, so um, that means we're family now. Hmm. Hey, really quick, when you get back to your chair, uh, just stand up for a moment, because I know it was Thanksgiving, and I know everyone's a little bit hungover uh, from food, not from uh, alcohol, Uh, but... Let's just take a minute and kind of shake. If you don't feel awkward, just give a little wiggle. Shake it out just a little bit. Uh, Maybe hug somebody, kiss somebody if you're married to them. If you're not, please don't. Uh, And then I'm going to pray for us before we dive in. Father, we just thank you for um, your goodness, for your grace. And God, we're here for you this morning. This is your space. God, with every agenda that we could ever bring into this moment, Father, I just pray that you would have your way. God, fill every pocket, every crevice with your intent and your purpose, Father. God, I pray over the lives that are here, the ones that are tuning in, God, that um, it is on purpose, God. And I just pray that you have something um, that is for them specifically. God, stir us and shake us, move us. And God, let us sense your will and your presence in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Um, Here's what I want to do this morning. I have um, some thoughts. I am going to probably try to be a little shorter this morning um, just to give us some space. Did someone cheer for that? Wow. See, that's how you know we're family. That's why no one's introducing me. Um, That being said... uh, one of the, I think, greatest goals we have as, as leaders and hosts and facilitators when it comes to the Lord's body and His gathering is not always the agenda or the focus, but it's sometimes that we know when and where we are. And here the past couple of weeks, I've just felt like this space, like God just wants to create space. And so I feel really responsible this morning just to be a little simple Um, And just make sure that we have space. So maybe on your way out, if you need ministry, I want to encourage you, take the space and let God do something. Amen. I believe when we make space, um, the Lord honors that space and meets us. Amen. Um, So I want to to make space this morning, but still throw out a few thoughts. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen um, to to the message. Um, Some of this was kind of birthed out of that and maybe just an elaboration of some thoughts that we shared um, last week. But I want to read this passage really quick. And if you're like me, you hear this passage and you immediately think of funerals, please don't think of that this morning or we will be depressed all day. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It says, There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Here's one line I want us to really focus on uh, this morning. A time to embrace 
and a time to refrain from embracing. In other words, let me say it like this. A time to embrace and a time to let go. Okay, everybody say let go. Say let go my ego. Anybody know that? Remember those commercials? Gosh, those things are good too, and they're just not good for you. Um, Verse number six, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now Solomon's writing, and Solomon was a wise man, and he was very much a macro view guy, he was very zoomed out, um, and he saw a lot of things and pondered a lot of things that probably the average person didn't. Um, Ecclesiastes is a very interesting book, though, because it kind of has a, a very melancholy tone mixed with a lot of kind of wisdom and uh, things to look at. And I do thank God that Solomon progressed and wrote Song of Solomon, where it becomes more this kind of love story of chasing uh, to and fro. And um, he didn't just end on some of these concepts. But I wanted to read this passage this morning because it makes one thing extremely clear, that timing is very important. Okay. Uh, in some cases, timing is everything. If you think of um, an average stock investor who's working Wall Street, they're not so much concerned about what they're investing in as much as they are when they're investing in it. In fact, they probably would buy anything if they think it will make them money, but it's all about timing. They want to buy when the time is right. I was thinking of my daughter this morning who uh, came out of her room, and she's in this fad right now where she loves to find old baby clothes and try to fit them on. And so she comes around the corner this morning with a, a, a baby sweatshirt stuck on her three-year-old head, um, which isn't a small head. It's a good size head. We make good babies. Um, and she, and I just could not get it on. I'm trying to help her. She's mad about it. And I'm just trying to pull this sweatshirt down and it just won't go on. Right. Uh, now nothing's wrong with the sweatshirt, right? The what is fine. It's the when that's the problem. Like the sweatshirt was good for a season, but now it's not the season for that sweatshirt. Okay. Can I tell you that some of the biggest challenges, uh, we deal with are not what's happened in our life or what's happening in our life, or what we have, or what we don't have, what we are, or what we aren't, but it's more often when those things happen. You can have the right thing at the wrong time, and it not feel like the right thing, and not produce the fruit of the right thing, because timing is super, super important. Amen? Um, I feel like Maybe it's just for our church here, but maybe it's for more. But I feel like we're in a very significant time. okay? And I'm not your average guy trying to prophesy stuff every five minutes. Um, So when I say something's prophetic, you better listen. Um, But I do feel like we're in just a prophetic space where God's shifting and moving things um, that maybe we don't understand or identify, um, but it's key that we create space and lean in. Okay, And it's not the what. Don't look for the what, but let's focus on the when. I want to talk about that thought this morning, just leaving what for when. Okay, Leaving what for when. But timing is super important. It's key. Um, how many of you guys, without raising your hand, ever struggle with what's been, a.k.a. the past? Here's what's tricky and funny about the past. The past is full of good, and the past is full of bad, right? 
Usually when we say we're leaving the past, we focus on the bad things of the past, the things that we want to leave behind. But what's also true is sometimes what's good in the past also has to be left. Amen. Um, in fact, I'm going to read a passage. This is Jesus, a uh, really smart guy, John 12. And I mentioned this passage last week, but I want to read it so that you know I wasn't lying. Jesus said this. He says, very truly, John 12, 24, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, Jesus is not saying there's something wrong or bad with a seed. In fact, a seed is a good thing. But what he's telling you is the potential of a seed actually won't produce what it could produce unless it goes through a process and a transformation. In this terminology, he uses dying. But unless that seed dies, it can't become the potential that's wrapped inside of that seed. I said this last week, but it's fascinating to me that seeds can be alive for hundreds, if not thousands of years, but be dormant. They can be a living thing, but until they're in the right environment for long enough, which again, it can be what, but until it's gone through the when, until it's gone through the right seasons and spaces and been in the right environment, it doesn't actually unlock the thing that is dormant. And Jesus is speaking concerning um, what he's going to do. He's going to die and produce uh, uh, all of us. Amen. Um, but the principle is true that unless something dies... It can't become something else. And the something that has to die isn't always something that was bad, but sometimes it's actually something that's good. Part of what's hard when it comes to leaving the past is it's obvious that we want to leave the bad stuff, but it gets tricky to leave the good stuff. Okay, And I want to try to unpack this uh, carefully here in just a bit. Because the good stuff was good. Now, just for fun this morning. Uh, somebody tell me what's the best decade? I got a, I got an eighties. Raise your hand if you're all about the eighties. Okay, there's a couple. I thought there'd be more, but here we are. The nineties. Who's up for the nineties? Nineties crew. Okay, getting a little heavy. What'd you say? The two thousands. All right, a young young one, a sproutling back there says the two thousands. Who's up for that? Raise your hand. Two thousands. Where you? Where? Okay. Okay. I don't see any strong preference here this morning, which is great. We're a very diverse crowd, but we are missing a couple of decades. Let's find them. What's another good decade? Seventies. Says the young guy who probably wasn't alive. Seventies. Raise your hand one more time. Seventies people. All right, there we go. In the 60s, come on, there we go. Uh, for one example, this is interactive message today. Tell me, tell me why the 60s were the best. The best music. Mm. You, you got to agree? Okay. Were you born in the 60s? 70s, okay. So there's a lot going on here this morning. Um, what else was good? What's that? Fashion of the 60s? 70s. 70s fashion. Okay. Yeah. I think 90s fashion is coming back right now. So, Gene Coe's. Um, now, here's what's true. Everyone thinks their decade is the best, not because of the time, but because of what was in that time. Right? 
Which means, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but just let's point out, our tendency is to hold on to what? And identify it with the when, right? And so we perceive something to be the best era or the best time or the good old days, not because they were necessarily the good old days, but because of what was in there and what we liked about what was in there. Um, No one said the 40s. Which probably had some good, but also some uh, wars happening. But usually it's not the when that we struggle with. It's when something was that we struggle with, right? Um, Can I make a few um, statements and and just hear my heart this morning? Um, The past is the past. It's exactly that. And here's what I love about... um, Time and space is what's past you've been locked out of. You can't go back there. Right? Um, I actually think God intentionally wired it this way. Because if his mercies are new every morning, that means it's constantly replenishing. So if the past was in the 60s, if it was the 70s or five minutes ago, guess what? It's past and you can't go back and live there. So whether it was good or whether it was bad, you still can't go back. We reminisce and nostalgia kicks in because things were good in the past and we reflect and we celebrate and even sometimes long to revisit those places. But usually the bad leaves a different scar, right? But the beauty is you're locked out of what's been. And the only place you can live or relive the past is in your mind. Now here's what the past does. The past, because of things we experience or things that we know, create patterns in which we live by today. And part of what it means to leave the past is to not leave just good ideas behind, but to be repatterned from the past that patterned me. Macro view. Adam falls, they're in the garden. Man was created according to a certain pattern and a certain way of life to be in the image and the likeness of God after their creator. The fall comes and now all of a sudden it's a different pattern. What's fascinating is uh, 20 minutes after the fall, the fall's now locked into the past, but the patterns still remain. He's no longer eating the fruit, but what the fruit did and how it rewired his perception and his perspective is ongoing. And now his engagement with life is based on the wrong pattern. Jesus comes in the Gospels, makes this statement. He says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Can I just uh, tell you that Jesus wasn't just talking about a quantity of human beings that were lost, but the intent in which human beings were patterned to live by. That's what Jesus came to restore. See, Jesus comes and he reconnects humanity to the Father to live life according to the pattern and the likeness and the image of their creator. This is what Jesus came to restore. The gospel was never about the destination of heaven or hell because you'll understand the gospel was about a reconnection to the Father to live life and experience life through the design and the intent of Abba. Jesus came to repattern a pattern that was created by the past.
which makes me think that usually the past isn't actually our problem, but it's our response and the residue that's left, which usually lives right here. Now, I don't say this to downplay. If you're struggling with the past, please do not feel like something's wrong with you because we all do. Um, nostalgia is a very powerful thing. If you don't, uh, how many of you guys ever walk down the cereal aisle? Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking. Where I'm going here? If I walk down the cereal aisle, like something gets me. Like I just want, I don't know. It's growing up, 80s, 90s cereal cartoons or commercials, because um, nostalgia just draws us into this place, right? But I think God wants to repattern us, but it means letting go of what's been to embrace what can be, right? Unless a seed dies, it can't produce something bigger than itself. Uh, God reminds Israel of this, Isaiah 43. Without a lot of context, I just want to give the principle here. Verse 16 through 19, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And then he says this, after reminding them of their deliverance. Here's what he says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That's interesting. God would remind them of something good that is past and then say, hey, don't dwell on the past. And he goes on. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God's in the middle of doing something new, but our tendency is to hang on to something that is old. Now, even though we physically don't live in that time and space anymore, we're still deeply connected to what was in that time and space. And without leaving what has been to embrace when we are, what happens often is we struggle to move on to what God wants to do because we can't let go of what God has done, right? It's hard sometimes to let go, especially of a good Thing. Anybody ever heard this book? Uh, I think it's called Good to Great or so, something like that. Jim Collins' book. Um, it's an old concept, but he always says that good is the enemy of great. When we settle for good, we usually don't progress to great, and great is an intentional thing. Um, I actually think that's such a kingdom pattern. Um, and I think uh, Solomon understood these principles. But sometimes leaving something good or holding on to something good, determines whether or not we can progress and grow into something else. Now, here's some signs that we need to leave what has been. Again, good or bad, place these where you need to this morning. Um, first one is this. First sign we need to leave what has been is because we feel stuck. Everybody say Stuck. Stuck. Focusing on what has been leaves us stuck. And here's what happens when we get stuck. We stop building, we stop growing, and we stop moving forward, and we stop pressing on. It leaves us unaware 
of what is. Here's what the Lord's saying. Hey, I've delivered you, but here I'm doing something new. Do you not perceive it? In other words, you're so focused on what's behind you that you're unaware of what's in front of you. Right? And what happens in that space is we're stuck. We get trapped. Kind of feel lost a little bit. Um, here's another example. When we get stuck, here's what happens. Instead of dreaming, we're just ruminating. You ever feel like you're in one of those seasons where, uh, and maybe you're the biggest dreamer in the room, but for some reason dreams go dormant? Watch where your thoughts are. Because what happens more often than we realize is I stop dreaming because I'm too busy ruminating. I'm too busy reliving. Whether it's good or bad, can I tell you that if you're stuck in the bad past, you're going to struggle to have hope for the future. But if you're only dwelling on the good that's past, you're going to struggle to dream again about what could be. Right? Sometimes we're not dreaming because we're too busy ruminating. Paul's writing to Philippians. I want to draw this principle, principle out, um, if you're, again, not deep context. But Paul is writing, he's talking about in the context of maturity and completion and pressing on. But he says this, Not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. So he's talking about moving forward. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, press on, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So in other words, to move forward, I have to let go of something that's behind. Have any of you ever tried to drive your car forward while you're turned around backwards? No, right? I mean, I hope not. Uh, some Charlotte drivers do it. I see it all the time. Uh, but if I try to drive a car like this while doing this, what's going to happen? I'm going to crash, right? Um, that's why we have these cute little things called rearview mirrors, right? And that mirror is not there for us to stare at and, 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 and like get fixated on. It's there for us to glance at. Here's what's safe about the past. It's good to glance back and reflect. But don't turn around and stare at it and try to drive your life forward. Because sometimes you're not just stuck. Sometimes you're just exploding. If you ever feel like life is like in this chaotic, destructive place, a lot of times it's because we're fixated on what's been and we're struggling to dream about what will be. Amen. And Paul's saying to press forward, you have to let go. You have to forget what's behind you, the good, the bad. doesn't mean forget it in the sense that I never reflect on what's been good. It just means it's no longer defining my present or my future. Um, amen. Here's another one. There's another sign that we need to let go of what has been to embrace what can be. When we're driven by the familiar instead of vision. Here's what's um, tricky. We, amen, our house is on the market uh, right now as we speak. Hopefully somebody's buying it. I don't even know. We don't even know. Um, but a few years back we decided... Um, we needed to build an addition. I don't know why we decided that. We just decided that was the thing to do. It wasn't out of necessity. It was out of dreaming. I was definitely not ruminating. 
And so I decided we're going to build an addition. Now, here's the tricky part. I'm not a contractor, um, but I am nuts. And so we decided we're just going to do this thing ourselves. So we pull a permit, and I say, who's your contractor? And I say, well, so you're looking at him, you know, professional. Um, now, here's the honest truth. I did not know how to build an addition. That did not stop me, because I am stupid in Jesus' name. And so we went for it anyway, right? Um, now, not knowing what I didn't know can kind of make you feel lost. And the comfortable thing, I remember this in the moment, was like, oh, should I really do this? Or should we just leave it the way that it is? Don't, you know, because once you commit, you committed. Like once you tear half your house down, you're in it, right? Like you're in it. Whew. And I got in it, right? And my wife can tell you I'm the king of just starting nine things. Like, while someone else is planning it, I've already torn everything apart. And I'm like, sorry, we're in it now. Now we just got to do it, you know? Um, and so we get out in the middle, and I spend a lot of time uh, just learning code and how to build it and what the foundation should look like. And the first thing we had to do was pour this awesome foundation, and that was beautiful. And I was so excited when we did the foundation layer, and I was proud of it. You know, like to not be a foundation guy and do foundations. That's a win. Um, and then it was time to build block on the foundation for the first floor. And then once the block was done, we start to frame up the flooring system and then the walls and then the next flooring system and the walls and then the roof. <laughs> it just so happens. I'm not a roofer, but we did it. Now, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I did enough to be dangerous, but not enough to like, pass inspection but i did pass just to be clear um because what it forced me to do was learn while i was in the middle had i not committed and stayed comfortable i never would have learned so now what's true is i could build a house from the ground up because i had to learn how to literally do that because i committed to something i felt lost i felt alone i felt just like a scared little boy um but now I'm equipped with something I didn't have before because I didn't stay comfortable and I just went forward. And I tell you that when we're holding on to what's been, it's hard to be driven by vision into what yet is not. Hello? Because <laughs> we feel lost, right? It's hard to leave the way things have been because we know what it's like there. We know how it works. We know what, let me say it like this, we know what to expect. And so sometimes it's a protective mood to not embrace change and not go forward, but to cling to what's been because it protects me from the potential disappointment of missing my expectation. See, when we're in environments where we're lost and ungrounded, it's tricky. But can I put it like this? If you want to rely on the what, then cling to it. But what happens is when we start to embrace when, when we really start to get in that ebb and flow of seasons and learn to discern what God is doing and when he's doing it and getting that rhythm of letting go and letting that be a fluid thing in our life, it means that we're actually in a place where having to depend on God because we don't know what we don't know. It means that I have to trust him because there's going to be consistent seasons of my life where I feel lost 
and ungrounded. Sometimes that is so crucial because it's those specific seasons where I learn to be grounded in Him. Amen? But you have to let go of what's been and feel a little bit lost. Can I tell you the other thing that we do when we hold on to the familiar is we resist change because of that comfort. Yeah. Um, and here's one, here's one reason why. Here's another point. When we're not letting go of what's been, we start filtering by comparison. Okay. Um, here's an example. Rocky One was a great movie. Thank you, sir. Rocky Two came out. Thanks, man. Great job. What did you say? I the tiger baby. That's what he said. Here's the challenge when you have a really good first movie. Is now it is the standard by which you compare everything that's coming. Right? And so what happens is you're like, man, Rocky good was one was so good. But then the second one's coming out. Some people are excited and some people are suspicious. Am I right? Because you think, man, this one was so good, I hope they don't ruin it. This one was so awesome, I hope this one's not a disappointment. And sometimes people go in with high expectations and they're disappointed. Sometimes people go in with low and they're pleasantly surprised. Because whatever's been usually is the standard in which we filter and compare whatever will be. And here's how you know you're holding on to something old, probably past its expiration date. You're suspicious about anything new. Right? Come come on, this works like it doesn't matter what it is. It could have been a move of God. But the mistake we make is we want to make the moment, the model, and use that model as the standard by which we compare everything else. And so what we do is we get in a church setting and we perceive that God's not moving because it doesn't look like Rocky One. Right? Gosh. Perfect example. We will so often miss what God's doing because we can't let go of what He's done. It's the concept of don't eat yesterday's manna. They're in the wilderness. God's providing miracles every single day for them to gather except on the seventh. But He told them, do not gather more than the day. And those that did had a little problem. Why? Because by the time the next day comes, it's no longer good. Just because it was good in a moment, when, doesn't mean that it's going to be good always. Right? See, our job of following the Lord isn't about getting hung on what. It's about learning to stay in the rhythm of His when. Right? And the worst thing we can do is die by comparison in the sense we miss what God's doing right in front of us. And we cease to dream, we cease to build, we cease to progress because we're comparing it to how it's always been. Right? Can I, example here, you guys are not like this because I, I just, I can tell. But how many people do you hear say, man, today is just a mess? I miss the good old days. Right? 
What are they doing? They're comparing by the standard that they're holding on to. And what it means is I'm going to miss the gold that is right in front of me because my comparison model is allowing me to highlight just the bad. Right? When we don't let go of what's been, even if it was good, we will use it as the standard of comparison and be suspicious of anything that's new and often miss what is currently good, what God's currently doing. A couple more. When we're hanging on to the old, we tend to think loss instead of gain. Let me say this. Letting go does not mean losing. It can, but it doesn't always. When I built that house addition, it was important for me to lay the foundation and then leave the foundation to build walls. Does it mean that the foundation was no longer needed? No, it's needed every single second or everything else would collapse. Collapse, collapsed. You don't leave something behind that's been, but you take certain things with you. Right? The key is that those things don't cripple you or hinder you, but you're building upon those things. But sometimes we don't embrace the new because we're holding on out of fear of losing what was good, out of fear of losing what has been, right? Can I tell you, if something is good and it's really good, it's going to be a part of the good that will be. Some things we need to lose. Some things need to go. But we want to have an addition mindset, not a replacement mindset, right? Now, if I'm fixing something that just needs to be replaced, sometimes the what in our life just needs to be replaced. Okay, Sometimes the thing is a problem. Um, but oftentimes we don't realize that the seed that needs to die is sometimes a thing, sometimes it's a season, sometimes it's a moment in our story that we just need to let go of because we didn't realize it was not the destination, it was the seed. When something is, is so crucial. And sometimes more important than what something is, right? But we have to lose a fear of loss and think with a gain mindset. One or two more. Then I'm going to pray for us. When we don't let go of what's been, we'll misinterpret the present and tell stories about the future. This is the pattern part. We start to filter the present from our past. And we struggle to dream about the future. And we start to sabotage the future because we can't let go of certain things. Um, Don't answer this because I don't want you to be judged or um, judge your neighbor. But how many of you guys know someone? You have that relationship. You have that somebody who just has a story. Okay? For lack of a better term, maybe they're just kind of crazy. And maybe their crazy's on repeat. Maybe it's just like they've always got something. They're always going to bring you down in the dumps. They're, you know, you ever see someone coming and you're just like, oh. You ever see someone coming and you're just like hiding. 
Or is there someone in your life where you see them, you hear them, and you know them, and it's been that way so long that now when you see them, that's just your expectation. That's just the way that it is. You don't even expect change. So you don't even fight for change. You just learn to live with it. Um, Sometimes we do that to ourselves. We're so used to how we've been and how we are and the pattern's so hardwired in that we don't even see it anymore. And so we just kind of learn to live with it. But can I tell you that Jesus didn't come so we could just learn to live with stuff? He didn't come so that we could just um, keep a broken pattern and somehow squeak a new life out of it. Because with new life comes new patterns. When he says in Colossians, since you've been raised, set your mind, set your heart, let everything catch up. Repattern your thinking. Repattern the way that you feel. Repattern the way that you respond, the way that you react. Start to repattern according to your new life. This is what Paul's referring to when he says, I haven't quite obtained it yet, but he's speaking of a truth that he knows is already true about him. And he's in the process of learning to leave former things behind, forgetting what's been to embrace this new thing that he believes he is, even though it doesn't yet fully appear. He's literally saying, hey, we're being repatterned. This is the pursuit. This is the journey. Because we have a new life. But to live that new life means I have to leave old patterns. Right? And can I tell you this? The hardest part of leaving the past. The hardest part of leaving the past really isn't leaving the past because you're locked out. It's already gone anyway. The hardest part is leaving myself according to the past the version of me that the past created. The wiring, the reactions, the thinking, the emotional patterns. That's the hard part to leave. And if I'm not careful, and if I'm, dare say foolish, I'll hold on to the what instead of discerning the when. And I'll start to judge myself based on what it looks like I am because I can't quite see when I am. I'll start to judge my neighbor based on what they are because I can't really discern when they are. I'll start to make major life decisions because I don't understand seasons of dormancy. I'll start to shift because of when something is and I've misinterpreted when something is for what something is. Can I tell you that a seed does not look like an apple tree? It looks like a seed. What changes is its environment and when I look at it again. Because if I do the right things, it's only a matter of time before that seed becomes something other than a seed produces fruit that gives life and it's ongoing that reproduces itself. But it did not always look like that. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest things we can learn is to leave what? And learn to discern when something is. Jesus was brilliant at this. I just, man, I think God wants us to leave some stuff. Whether it's bad or whether it's good. Because he wants to do new things in our life. And I, man, that sounds like a cliche statement, I promise you. I feel like God wants to do something. 
felt like God is doing something. Um, let's stand really quick. I'm going to pray for us. And I want to create just a, a little space here. And I'm very aware of when it is. It is lunchtime. So, and what you are is hungry. No, you're not. It was just Thanksgiving. We can go long today, remember? But maybe just for a moment, let's close our eyes and lean in. I just want to pray and I want to speak to dreamers who have stopped dreaming. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit stirs the dream of God within you. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit highlights that pattern of ruminating that's got you so distracted. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit disrupts, in Jesus' name, that pattern. God, help us see what we don't see. God, help us see the patterns. Whether it's good or bad, Father, I pray that you would help us leave both. Take the foundation of the good. Build upon the good. But never allow what's been good to keep me from the more and from the great that you have. God, whether it's personal lives this morning, whether it's church life, whether it's family life, I fully believe that you have more. And God, help us not to be boxed in by comparison with the old. By the comfort and safety of what's familiar. But God, help us lean in. Here's the a, here's a last thing. Just uh, I want to share one of, the, one of the ways that we know that we're connected to what too much is we're often disappointed. Got to just pray over those with disappointment this morning. I'm going to do something bold even here this morning, God. And just in Jesus' name, I break the rhythm of disappointment. God, those who have learned to expect it. Those who have learned to interpret the future through the disappointment. God, we just break that pattern in Jesus' name. And God, we lean into your voice, the voice of a dreamer, of a creator. Of one who is hopeful about what's ahead. The one who would remind us of our deliverance and then tell us not to dwell on what's been because something new is so much better. Mm. And last, Father, I just I pray that you would just stir the gift of God in this body. Specifically this church this morning, God. God, any seed that is alive but dormant, God, I pray you stir it.
You plant it. You root it. Let it become the potential, the dream that you see, God. Here's the issue. God, we trust you. Because when I trust you, it doesn't matter when and it doesn't matter what. I can navigate seasons because I'm anchored to you, not an old thing. In Jesus' name. coming bishop ladies and gentlemen bishop robin yeah grab a seat one second and we'll take off i had an episode actually happened to me on two separate occasions over two different years but i had a cardinal that would uh dump all over my car door. And um, it got so bad and went on so long, I took it as a personal challenge to take care of this cardinal. So I had all kinds of plans. Plan A was I would, uh, because it happened over and over, and I thought, well, I'm just going to get there and scream at him really good, scare him off, that'd be it. That didn't work. So then I thought, um, I'll get a pot of water. And uh, when I see him out there, I'll throw water on him. Well, by the time I got out there, he was gone. So I thought, uh, I know what I'll do. I'll get a live water hose and leave it, you know, on. And when I see him out there, I'll sneak up and wing him with that water hose. I could never get him in. Um, So I started, studied cardinals and turned out cardinals and robins are enemies. Cardinals and robins are enemies. And uh, finally, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me because what the bird was doing was he was standing on my door, looking in the rearview mirror and, and pecking himself. He didn't realize he was beating himself up and crapping all over my car, pardon my French. But um, so I'm... <laughs> Well, another weird thing, I I kept hearing somebody tap on my front door. And I would go to the front door, and I'd open the door, and there wouldn't, wouldn't be anybody there. So I'd close the door, and I'd go back and sit down. A few minutes later, I'd some some tapping on my door. And I went the next time I went out there, I went out there, and the cardinal was sitting across from my door on the wall looking at me. And he had been pecking on. We had a, a brass door plate on the bottom of our door. He'd been packing, pecking at himself out on the front, at the front door, so much so that I thought somebody was tapping on the door, so I went to the door. So I thought, Lord, what in the world is this? And, and the Lord was saying, well, when you um, try to live from the rearview mirror, 
you don't see accurately. Matter of fact, the things that disturb you about people from your past are what is actually wrong with you. You just haven't recognized it yet. Don't shop it down when I'm preaching real good. So you, um, you have to do what Dan says. You just have to, you have to go on. You have to let go. And um, that's a terrible thing. Romans 2, 1, you that judge do the same. That just demolishes a soul, doesn't it? To realize that the things we don't like in other people, we're guilty of ourselves. We just don't see it. And until we do, we're never truly free in certain areas. And that's what happens when we live in the, from the rearview mirror. We live from the past. So, Father, I pray, too, that we would have fresh vision and that we would recognize what it is you're doing in our lives which is so vital and important. Amen and amen. All right, we do have prayer teams this morning for anyone who would like encouragement or if you're sick and you want to be prayed for, anything like that, we'd be glad to pray for you if you'll come on up front. Everyone else, connect with someone you don't know. Maybe invite somebody to lunch. Hang out and have a great rest of the day, and we shall see you next week. Okie doke. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.